Welcome to Outdoors. I'm Brian, and this morning we have Rob Funderburk, the general manager with Bangtail Bikes and Skis. Rob, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So you've been in the industry a little while now. <laughs> yep. What is different about this past season with all the things going on this past year? What has been different for you in the, the bike and ski industry? We've seen some real dramatic changes in demand. First off, I mean, probably the most important thing is that there's a lot more people getting into the outdoor recreation industry or business or activity and and specifically a lot of people getting into cycling. Um, we're seeing a lot of uh, people who haven't biked in years take up biking again and we're seeing a real introduction of people to the biking market who probably never thought they were going to bike. Um, partly because it seemed like a safe and effective way to get some exercise and some mental and physical health um, during the pandemic. But um, also um, there's it, it, it sort of uh, the industry often refers to what happened in the last year in terms of, of, of popularity as a bike boom, boom. So we had the bike boom driven by the fact that everybody was trying to get outside and do something during COVID that was safe. We also had the fact that there was a new technology that was driving a real growth in the bike industry, and that was specifically um, electric assist bikes. Um, we're seeing a real surge in people showing interest in this technology um, more now than ever before. Um, and I think uh, it's just kind of going hand in hand with all the technological developments we're seeing electronically, you know, whether it's with these computers and, and phones or or all and internet apps and things. Um, I, an interesting thing that happened last year is that we were we were worried that we weren't going to be able to stay open last year. Um, you know, we maybe were going to be forced to close down, have to shut our doors. Um, you know, we and we were designated an essential business by the governor um, and were able to keep our doors open throughout COVID. And the reason for that was not because people in Bozeman love to ride mountain bikes and everything. It was because we are the role we play in the transportation industry. And so transportation is seen as like a crucial, something that needs to be kept functioning during this pandemic. And it really kind of gave me pause to sit back and look at what we, um, what does, what do bikes really mean to me? And I kind of identified, you know, one thing I've always loved about cycling is that it, it's a great technological solution to an eternal human problem, which is how do we get from here to there more efficiently? Um, and so we're seeing, and if you maybe noticed downtown, you see the rental scooters downtown. Um, we picked up uh, the one wheels in the shop to sell. Um, you're seeing a lot of people finding alternative ways with technology to transport themselves from one place to another. Um, and as annoying as those scooters can be, it still makes a lot more sense to get on one of those little scooters and scoot across town than get into your, you know, 5,000 pound minivan, right? So um, so we're seeing that sort of this uh, synchronicity or this confluence of all these different things coming together in the bike industry. So from a, from a demand standpoint, that's the first part of your question is we're seeing just a huge demand for multiple reasons. Um, from the other part of your question is what has been the biggest uh, challenges or of the of this past year is of course with demand going up, um, we're seeing supply has to try to keep up with it, which has been um, you know, doubly challenging in with the restrictions that have been on the industry in COVID during COVID here. Um, and there are multiple reasons why we're seeing interruptions. Um, everything from the availability of raw materials to the manufacturing capacity of the suppliers to the distribution capacity of the shipping. Um, 
and it's it's uh, it's a really a worldwide. It really shows how integrated our our economy is worldwide when you look at how one little thing can happen, and it you know put a put a cork in the Suez Canal, and that means that the bike that you wanted is a month late being delivered, you know, for ten days, and and all those types of ripple effects. So that was very long winded, but that was kind of in a nutshell what what the past year has been like for us. Um, so so. People that are coming into the shop uh, in traditional years, would it be more just looking out, getting on the trail on the road with the the mix of the e-bikes? Is, it, is there more of a like a transportation in general sort of thing or or people kind of combining the recreational aspect with their transportation? How do you think people are looking at that now? I think a lot of people are. are it, 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 I think most people that are buying these things are buying them for multiple reasons. And I think most people that are wanting to spend, you know, $5,000 or more on a, a new bike are doing it because they're like, this is a lifestyle choice I want to make here. I want to, I want to recreate. I want to go have fun. I'm going to use it to, but also, you know, I, I just sold one to a fellow that lives up in the crazy mountains. He's like, yeah, I'm going to use it to get into my favorite fishing lake, you know? So that's a transport, you know, it's a recreational, but it's also a transportation need that he's meeting with it. Um, so um, there's a, I, I, I think it's to try to say, oh yeah, these this group of people are buying them for commuting for commuting, and this group of people are buying them to go ride at Big Sky. It's it's all the same people, um, and um, I think a lot of it is just it's really. I mean, I think the lifestyle, the just the fact that help that cycling is so good for your 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 mind, your body, and your soul. Um, people feel good when they ride bikes. They get exercise. It clears their brain. You know, you feel like you're doing something good for society. I, I think all those things add up. So, um, I, I have this conversation pretty frequently with the customers when I'm asking them what their motivation is. And it's often, you know, it's, it's often a mixture of these things. I mean, I had one guy the other day, I said, so why do you really, he and his, he's graduating, he's 18, you know, you, 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 you and I can, can kind of feel this. He's 18 year old and his mom and he are going to ride their bikes from here to Boston. And these were not small humans. These were pretty big guys. Um, and, uh, that they, they got some bikes and they were getting set up. And, and, uh, as you may know, um, my daughter biked across a couple continents. So I was giving them a few, you know, points of advice that she had shared with me. And I said to them, so what really is motivating you to do this? I mean, I think it's great that you guys are doing this before you go to college. And, uh, and he said to me, looked at me, he says, I just don't want to be fat anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's that too. You know, I mean, this guy just, so he was definitely looking at it as a lifestyle change and kind of like a process. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the things I love about this, this uh, business is that you really, it, it really attracts all types of people from all socioeconomic classes, from all types of backgrounds. Um, yeah. So. So do you see I, a lot of folks that are like, might have a bike that's just been sitting in their garage for a long time, collecting dust and, and yep. with, with COVID and the isolation, like this was just enough of a catalyst to say like, I need to change something here. And this looks yep. like a really positive thing for, yep. for getting around, having fun, being more social, doing it safely. Yep. Yeah, uh, we're, we, we are definitely seeing people that, that are pulling bikes out of the garage because they're looking for something they can do. I mean, the restrictions, I mean, now it'll be interesting to see how much this carries forward now that travel is opening up and everything. I think a lot of people were, well, we're stuck at home. We live in one of the most beautiful places in the in the world. So we might as well figure out more ways to get out and enjoy that, right? Um, now, I don't know how much that's going to change. Unfortunately, the shortages and the and that have impacted our our um, 
our new bike sales are also impacting our, our, our service because, you know, there's certain stuff that you can't get. Getting a 12 speed chain is next to impossible um, in the world right now. Um, so things like that, um, that you might have a bike that you need to have fixed and it might still take a while before it can get fixed if it needs a new part. So goes on around. Yeah. So yeah. how do you um, consult people to, to navigate that? They want to get out right and things aren't available. How do you be creative about that? Well, I mean, I will have to say that that is one of the, probably you're asking about the impacts of what happened in your first question, trying to keep our morale up as service providers has been very challenging. Um, and as I had one of my employees put it so succinctly, she's like, you know, Rob, I'm just tired of saying no to people, yeah. you know, and that really we're not in this business to say no to people, but at some point you're helpless. There's nothing you can do. And it, and it is hard not to just spiral down into this, this, this sense of doom that, wow, we just can't get anything done for people. And then that kind of comes out in the way you present yourself to everybody. So, um, so we're, we try, I try to work real hard on, on maintaining some positive attitude. Um, yeah, trying to find some creative alternatives. Um, and, and we've had to, we've had to pivot and try a lot of different things. We've been, we've been, we've been trying to source product and bikes from through non-traditional, you know, purchasing channels. Um, and that's really, um, that's really where we're, we're focusing on now. If we can find a change somewhere, we're just getting it. We've been buying a lot of stuff from local shops. We've been selling a lot of stuff to other shops in Bozeman. Um, we actually, for, for several months, we were, we were, you can on a lot of the bigger vendors websites, you can find a bike somewhere in the U S Oh, look at, there's a shop in Arkansas that has that bike that, that Robert Banktail told me that he can't get me. Um, and we have actually done this a couple dozen times now where we, we've, uh, the customers contacted that shop and arranged to have that bike shipped to us so that we can, we can deliver it to that customer. And that's not in a normal, normal market. We wouldn't do that. We would call the shop and say, Hey, do you want to sell us that bike? And we can sell it to the other customer. But in the, in the spirit of just trying to get people on bikes, we've been, we've been, um, facilitating that we've shipped bikes to other shops. They've shipped them to us. Um, but we're at a point now on the supply lines that that's pretty much not, that's not happening anymore. Any bike that I can get in the store that's popular, people are buying. They're, it's selling. It's, um, yeah, it's, I'm kind of left to, I have kids bikes and kind of high-end bikes now. I, anytime, I, any bike that I have that's between 500 and $2,000 is, is pretty much gone by the time it hits the, hits the shop. Yeah. yeah. Or are you telling people to go on Craigslist or the bike kitchen or other places? Yeah, all, all the, the used market, everything is, is, is real. It's a seller's world right now. So yes. Yeah. We, I mean, people, and I am encouraging people, Hey, if you can find a bike somewhere, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that a lot. If you can find it, I don't, you know, I'd love to sell it to you, but if you can find it elsewhere, buy it, I'll help you make sure it works for you. You know, just get it. If you, cause if you pause, it's going to go to someone else. So, <laughs> So and it's that's happening over and over and over again. And it's, yeah, you hate to be that salesman like, Hey, you better buy it now. I got 10 other people looking at it, but that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That, yeah. Total seller's market here. Um, so what is the normal distribution setup with, with a, um, are, are you a distributor or a, or a dealer for certain bike brands? Like most shops will be, they'll generally have a couple brands they carry like you carry yeah we carry trek and specialized 
which is kind of unusual because that Trek's number one and specialized number two in the country. And they usually don't play well together. Um, we've been able to kind of get away with that because Bozeman was up until now kind of a, a peripheral market, um, kind of out there a little bit um, in Montana. That That is evolving and we're feeling more and more pressure from both of them to to, to okay, you guys need to be all of us or all of them if you want all your best, the best uh, um, perks for being a, a dealer. Um, but it, it's been it's been uh, m- mostly a, a, a really a good situation. It's great to have both those brands because they really do lead the industry in a lot of ways. And innovation, they're very innovative. Uh, they lead, but also just in terms of support. Um, you know, you can go. Trek is a worldwide, both of them are internationally famous brands. So you can go, I mean, it's happened. My, my daughter was biking across, Jossie was biking across Europe and she, uh, you know, they had some issues there and, and, and getting something done with the specialized is a lot easier than a smaller brand that maybe isn't present in the European market. So that's kind of neat. And, uh, and they, and they're both U S based family run companies still, they're still run by the same people that started the businesses. So they still are very responsive to the, to the to our the dealer base and to the the public in terms of what they do. Um, so I've been, I think we're pretty lucky to have this uh, this relationship with them. I hope we can keep it balanced. They both have sixty percent of our business, so um, <laughs> I don't I don't know how we do it. <laughs> I'm not that great at math, so that totally works out for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as you just ignore the math, it works out great. So my, the first bike I got was a Bianchi Alante double butted Cromali steel. At yeah. LA Sports in 1989, um, and now they don't. As far as I know, they don't make mountain bikes. So, yeah. how how do different shops how do different shops choose what brands they're working with, or or what multiple brands they work with? How does that work? Well, I mean, a lot of it is who will open you up. I mean, if you're a new shop, a lot of times it's who can you get, you know, because because the you know, I mean, that's we 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 kind of jealously hold on to specialized in Trek because. They're such great partners and we, you know, we want to be the go-to place for them in Bozeman and Southwest Montana in some ways. Um, that with the new, I mean, COVID has introduced a whole new way of looking at the market. That's the big thing we're talking about right now is the electric, I mean, not the electric, the e-market. Um, and, and what I mean, like the internet, um, having a platform to sell your product and make yourself known on the internet is becoming more and more important. Now, we're never going to be a great like shipping hub here in Bozeman, because it's just where too far, you know, it's, it's expensive to ship, get anything in and out of Bozeman. So it doesn't make sense to try to do a mail order company out of Bozeman um, for something that can be done out of a major urban environment and your shipping costs are going to be that much less. So, so I don't think we'll ever have a strong, um, you know, internet sales presence to ship stuff, but a lot of people, what does happen in Bozeman is we get, we get people coming from all over the state or even Wyoming, you know, places that are more rural, <clears throat> contacting us to say, hey, look, if they got it in Bozeman, well, I had to go to Bozeman to go to Costco anyway, or whatever, Bozeman. And so people will come in and say, hey, I saw that you had this. So trying to facilitate that type of, 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 of marketplace. But really, when I, I mean, I've worked in shops, to, to get to your question, that have had as many as 13 brands at one time, um, which was ridiculous, how many different brands you have. And I know that, you know, well, just recently we brought in, they're not a bike brand, but we brought in one wheels um, because I wanted to ride a one wheel. I've been commuting on one doing from work. It's super fun. I just wanted to, I, I really enjoyed the e-bike for commuting. And I'm like, this is even easier. I can park it in the corner when I walk in the front door. I don't even, and it's, and it's 
plus I need to work on my balance. I'm getting old and if you don't use it, you lose it. So, um, and, uh, that has been really fun. So, so partly it's just cause that's what I want to sell. I mean, when I first started working at Bangtail, we sold BMX bikes because one of the guys that was here ahead of me was really into BMXing. Once he left, we stopped selling BMX bikes because no one else really was that passionate about it. Um, so um, I think that kind of dictates what you're going on. I am getting a lot of people coming in the door. Like I had a guy walk in yesterday that wanted to say, hey, what do you think about carrying our e-bike? <laughs> and, you know, he was he's a he's a guy out. Of, he's got a He's out of California and he's importing these. And there's some really pretty decent mid-level e-bikes. You can see them all over the Internet now um, that are that you can you can buy. And they're, and they're looking for, you know, physical locations to, to support them, which is good, actually. Because a lot of times you just buy the stuff online and then if you have an issue and you've got nowhere to go with it, we get people bringing in some of these e-bikes to us that were like, we can't fix it. It's 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 on beyond what we can handle. Um, and uh, and they're looking for they're looking for. So you'll get people like that that are that are looking for for dealers. Um, but I think it's probably first off, you just kind of go with what you can get and. Um, and and you kind of show a certain level of commitment and a certain level of professionalism and the and the dealer decide the vendor decides they want you to be their dealer um we were salsa dealers for for several years um we brought them in because they were being very innovative in bringing in bikes that really the big players weren't doing like fat bikes right so they so it was like surly and salsa and then we brought them in because we thought oh we got to have fat bikes here so we brought in we, we sold a few Surleys, but then we brought in the salsas and those were pretty good. We sold those for a couple of years. And then they, then they started getting into the adventure, like the gravel bike market, the adventure bike market, which is of course become hugely popular. And, um, but what happened is that once specialized and Trek saw that, Hey, this is a viable market. They basically outperformed salsa. They were able to build a higher quality product for less money. And it was kind of hard to keep the salsa going. And so, and then Salsa did a few things that were unsavory. They kind of opened up REI and um, a couple other, um, they, they, and their, and their, and their supply, the ability to get bikes from them was very, they, if they had a popular bike, you couldn't, you couldn't get it. I mean, you were lucky if you got one. And so once, and I'd have like the Salsa, the thing that really sold, that kind of was a death knell for Salsa in our shop. So I'd have the Salsas parked right next to the Specialized and the Treks same amount of money, same basic function. This was their adventure bikes and the Trex and the Specialized were like two or three pounds lighter. And what is the first thing people do when they are looking at a bike? They walk up to it, pick it up, right? And it was just like, we couldn't, it was just not fair for the Salsas to be right next to those Specialized and Trex. So I really like the company, but yeah. Yeah, with these bigger bigger brands are really able to just pour that money into innovation and research and- yeah. Know, what's yeah. popular they really have quite the you know setup for doing that and then it's a bit of a difference like we were talking before about like canyon some brands like that that are kind of you know ship it you build it but yeah i guess the you know real value with that whole network is being able to make sure this thing is put together right and it's service right. the yeah. mechanics have to do a lot of training and all that to make yeah. sure yeah. You know, especially especially servicing things like suspension or things like that that are much more compact. right yeah, we keep waiting for, um, I mean, Specialized is starting to send bikes directly to consumers. Um, they, this year, they, they used to be they would send no bike to directly to a consumer. Um, a couple of years ago, they started sending the very most basic kids' bikes, like the scoot bikes. Um, you know, three years ago, that you couldn't get a frame set. Now you can buy a frame set and build it up yourself. 
So, and, and that kind of makes sense to me. It's like, well, if you, you know, if you, if you feel confident enough to, that you want to buy, you want to buy a frame set, you probably feel confident enough to put it together safely. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see. I had, I have someone that just, just did that with an Enduro and he seems like it's going pretty well for him, but you know, you don't want that poor person riding down leverage and having the fork fall off or something. But, yeah. um, um, I, I do see this with like, we do see bikes like Canyon, usually Canyon. I mean, cause those are kind of, and YT are the two ones that come to mind. They're kind of higher end brands. So the people that are buying those usually are pretty confident that they can and are capable of putting them together. They probably have some experience with bikes already. Um, but we do get a few people bringing in bikes that they've ordered like that and then have something that's not working right. And, you know, we get it in here. We're like, oh, yeah, this was put in upside down or something. And, you know, I mean, that could eventually that there, there, there could be a problem there eventually. But, but it's uh, that's just the way the market's going. I mean. You're going to, people want to, uh, they want, they, they want to sit at their computers here and just do everything and wait for, you know, the, the UPS truck to drop it off on their front porch. They don't want to have to go out. I mean, paying, you know, it's been like my sister, who's an introvert says, this has been an introvert's dream. She's like, I just don't need an excuse to stay at home and not go and see people. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I guess what we try to do is just stay relevant. Um, of course it's, it's easy to feel you know, kind of resentful when someone brings in a bike they bought that way. But it, really, I'm like, I've had to, and we, we actively train to, hey, no, that's that's a bike customer. It doesn't matter if they bought it from us or not. That's just someone who loves biking. And and we can help them, even if they didn't buy a bike from us, we can certainly help them, you know, keep their bike running. We can show them what other stuff they might need. You know, hey, did you know? Yeah, like that that mother and the son that were going to uh, um, ride across country, they didn't know about padded bike shorts. <laughs> So I, yeah, I got them into a couple of air. It's great. The mom bought, I had, I had actually had a double XL size of shorts and she bought those, but she also bought the XLs. She says, my goal is to be in these by the end of the ride. So, which was cool. And, uh, and I also showed them chamois butter too, which they never heard of. So, I mean, it, so, I mean, that's, that's the kind of the value of what we do is that, you know, we're, we're geeks about bikes that so we can, we can hopefully help other people. Yeah. And then, you know, like the, the training, like tolerance within millimeters and all the documentation yeah. that comes out about, you know, new changes or whatever, it's really yeah. hard for the average person to keep up with that, have the tools yeah. or have the knowledge of the little, you know, tweaky things. Yeah. Um, yeah a lot of the e-bike stuff too. That's another whole frontier mm-hmm. that we're seeing. And, and it, and it was kind of like, like the wild west there for a while. And there was people just buying <laughs> containers full of Joe's Chinese bike and, and slapping their name on it and selling them. And yeah, people bring those things in and it's like, oh boy, yeah, there's, I mean, sometimes we just, we're like, I'm sorry, we can't work on it because there's no way to get hold of any service help or anything. It's, everything's written in Chinese on it. You can't, yeah, it, it was, but, but that's kind of by default, you can't make, that's not a sustainable business model. Um, and the ones that are making it go, like the guy that came in yesterday, he's importing one of those. And you've seen them around town. They're, they've all of a sudden boomed in popularity. I call them e-mopeds. Uh, they look like little motorcycles, but they have these little pedals on them. They look like little like sco- um, electric scooters almost. And they, and like the battery looks like a gas tank. They they built them and uh, and they have a long cushy seat like a like a like a motor bike does, a mini bike does. Uh, and and there's and they're all of a sudden copycats of that are popping up all over the place on the internet. And I'm that that's there's somebody in China that's creating a bunch of those. But I'm kind of I think it's cool technology. It's it's probably half the cost of the higher end bike brand e-bikes that we sell. Um, 
has a throttle. So it is, it is like a moped. I don't, I mean, I had a Pook moped in the, in the, in the, um, in the early eighties. I rode that around. It was, that was hilarious. So for you smelled like a, you know, a, a internal combustion two-stroke motor after you rode the thing, but man, it was, I used to love riding that thing around. So I'm, and this is, so it's just another one of those things where, where the blurring of being a bike specialist to a transportation specialist, you know, where, where do we draw that line? There's a lot of reactionary bike shops that won't touch for a while there. They wouldn't touch e-bikes, but you can't do that and stay in business anymore. But now, but there's all these other transportation um, modalities that I think um, that we can, we can, we can service and we can kind of support because I think they're all good. Anything to get someone out of their suburban is good as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like, uh, you know, mountain, mountain biking and e-biking, um, I've been trying to keep up with, you know, what the current regulations and laws are and went to the mm-hmm. forest service, got a giant packet of basically from what I've read, they interpret anything with an assist as is an engine. So that's b- basically a motorcycle. Right. So then that's the, the forest tool, service. Yeah. Yeah. So that on forest service land, you can ride e-bikes on motorcycle, tra- motorcycle right. trails, right. although there are a handful of trails that have a timeshare um yeah. motorcycles but you could ride ebay like on that trail on those days that sort of thing right. so where do you point people to kind of learn more about where they can ride um, well you just touched because the forest service is only one player right and then you have the blm which is a whole has a whole different because the department of ag you have the department of the interior and you have state land and then you also have you know other parties and they all there's no there's no one consistent message to tell in general Unless you're sure, I, I tell people, unless you're sure you can ride it there, don't. Um, but um, the the um, but basically, Forest Service sees all pedal assist bikes as um, as motorized. Um, other um, land managers see well if it doesn't have a throttle, it's still a bicycle, right? So that and that to me is probably a more accurate description of the difference between uh, a motorized and non-motorized. Is if you if you have to pedal to make it go it still functions like a bicycle. And, and what we're seeing is that just the way that they're on trails now, and believe me, most of the people that are buying these are not really paying attention to the rules. So um, they're just riding them. But if you ride in a way that you don't really differentiate yourself from the other cycling community, it's, it's kind of a non-issue. And unfortunately, you don't need to have that motor to be a jerk with your bike. <laughs> Right. And, and our biggest complaints are, you know what the biggest ones we're having right now? And I, and I experienced this the other day, hiking up Pete's Hill, um, the people on their gravel bikes, because oh. they're, and you know what they're doing? They're out trying to set KOMs on Strava. They're so, so they're flying yeah. up, up, like you got, you know how crowded Pete's Hill is. That is not a good place to be flying on your bike on anything mechanical. And they are like pushing people out of the way. And I'm like, those guys don't have motors, but they sure aren't aren't doing a good job of representing cycling community to the jet community at large. So I think it's more of a, of a, um, of an infrastructure kind of, uh, of, uh, and policy, um, designations are going to be coming, but going to be changing going forward because this market, it, you can't ignore this. And, and, and it's, and it kind of goes over to that alternative transportation market too. Um, you know, the new trying, I just email right after yours this morning is from uh, uh, the triangle plan to, to set up the trails, you know, the big plan to, to connect Bozeman, Belgrade and, and uh, Four Corners. And that, um, 
that's going to be a huge project. And it's going to, and, and I've been commenting on it all along. One of my big comments, Hey, you've got to really plan for the evolution of technology and plan, make your policies flexible so that you can accommodate this stuff. Because if you, you can't just say no e-bikes when e-bikes have become the top selling type of bike. I mean, in Germany, literally 75% of the bikes sewn have some sort of pedal assist motor on them. Now you can't, if you were to build an infrastructure and say, no, you can't allow that stuff there, you're going to be eliminating a huge portion of the people that would want to use that. So it's, it's just not tenable. Um, so we really need to figure that out. But something that I, I suggested on that was, hey, we've got to have we got to have lanes marked on the on the bike path. You got to have speed limits marked. You got to have, you know, you got to have signage. You got to I mean, you can't expect people to buy this product and just all of a sudden know what what it means to be a responsible, you know, um, commuter or um, you know, user of the pro of the, the technology. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's fascinating, really. I mean, to see what's happened. So, but in, to answer your question, when someone buys an e-bike, you know, we say, hey, it's it on the Forest Service, it's motorized. On the BLM, it depends. Um, on Copper City, they are designated as um, uh, non-motorized because the local land manager said that. Although I'm, and a lot of that is because Swimba's kind of relationship with the with the, the the local land manager, they were pushing pretty hard against e-bikes. Now, the the latest. Uh, People I've talked to at Sumba are maybe pivoting a little away from that. Hopefully that changes a little bit because it's a, a it's a perfect place for, for pedal assist uh, uh, bikes there. Not nothing with a throttle, but something that helps you get up to the ridge so that you can, mm-hmm. you can ride downhill or do whatever. Um, and uh, a lot of our older uh, customers, that's where they want to go ride. Um, um, because the Acton trails out in, uh, which are similar out outside of Billings, they, you can ride it, the e-bikes on the non-motorized trails. Um, so it really is just a matter of kind of knowing what the local ordinances are and there, that is very muddy water. And, but what I say all boils down to just be a polite cycling citizen. You know, if you're going to be riding your e-bike, don't be blowing people off the trail. Don't, you know, I mean, be considerate. And probably that right there goes the, the longest way to, to keeping it from being too impactful. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're at a kind of a turning point in terms of this technology and we're just going to see more and more of it. It keeps on popping out all over the place. So it's not an issue that's going away. That's for sure. No. Yeah. Well, great. Well, we got time for one more question. So what are you, you most excited about this upcoming season? Oh, excited about, (laughs) gosh, just, uh, I mean, really, I would like to say seeing the end of the the bike shortage, but I have I'm afraid we're gonna it's we're gonna be with us for another year or more, um, in terms of, from 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 a from a retailer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really excited about all the new technology that's coming out. We're seeing these ev- el- uh, um, these evolutions in in the in the e bike the, the the blending of e bike and non e bike world. Um, more and more and seeing it's become more and more accepted and people are using them together. So I think the seeing and seeing where it goes with all of the people that have, that have tried out biking now. Um, I'm pretty excited about the, um, the, the positive side of all the growth we're seeing in Bozeman specifically here is the fact that we do have a lot more people that care 
that want to ride on trails and care about riding on the trails. And that's a lot more people to help, you know, whether it's through fundraising or, or just, you know, through voices with the local policy or through um, yeah, yeah, hands on, on shovels on the trails. There's just a lot more people to work with. So, I mean, that's the flip side of having so many people move to your town because they love it here. Well, well, let's show you, let's show us how much you love it. Right. Um, we have, we have a couple of customers that are, that are retired here. They're philanthropists and they are looking for stuff to invest in and be involved with. And they're, they're really, uh, they're really good human beings. They're really, really nice that they, uh, one couple that um, at a year ago, a little over a year ago, they had ordered a couple of high-end bikes from us and they called us up and then the bikes weren't going to deliver for another couple of months. And they called us up and said, Hey, Rob, we want to pay our bill. We just want to make sure you guys are doing okay. Nice. And that was, uh, that was a good thing. Cause it's like, there was some, it was so unsure a year ago and to, you know, know that your customers care about you like that was, was really special. So awesome. yeah. we're actually kind of psyched because now that we're getting a little bit more ahead of it here, at least in our locally, the pandemic that we can start doing fitting services again. So, um, um, that's a big one. Cause a lot of times the number one reason why people, one of the big main reasons people don't ride is because they don't feel good. So, um, and a lot of times it's just a matter of some, some pretty, um, with some trained, with a trained eye on that, we can get that fixed for you. But yeah, go to, go to bangtailbikes.com uh, and you can check it out. You can always give us a call. We'd love to talk to people. And now we'd love to people stop in and show us your smiling face because we haven't seen those for a while. So that's been nice to actually see people smiling again. So Awesome. Thanks so much, Rob. Hey, thank you, Brian. Thanks for listening. Tune back into Outdoors to hear more from the groups that make mountain biking in the Bozeman area thrive. Go to thelastbestbike.com for more information on the book coming out this summer and where to pre-order. Until next time, happy trails!